Welcome to the Focus and Chill podcast, where we discuss productivity tactics that work for neurodiverse individuals. Every episode, we interview guests with lived experience of neurodiversity who also have a solid productivity and habit game, and pass the learnings on to you, our wise and benevolent audience. We're your hosts, Jeremy and Joey. I'm Joey, and I coach creatives to get moving on their most ambitious projects through the power of solid habits and strong focus. I'm also a perpetual student of psychology and perpetually on a quest to a one-armed chin-up. And I'm Jeremy, a neurospicy software developer turned startup founder, building the Focus Bear app to help people with ADHD and autism thrive at work. My cool party trick is leaving parties early so I can get to sleep in time for my two hour long morning routine. The Focus and Chill podcast is brought to you by Focus Bear, a habit and productivity app that makes healthy habits and deep work the path of least resistance. If you have a tendency to check emails or scroll through Instagram first thing in the morning, but long to develop a meditation and exercise habit first thing, Focus Bear can help you. The app blocks distractions on all your devices and guides you through your habits one at a time. Throughout the day, Focus Bear assists you to stay in deep work by blocking websites and apps that are unrelated to your chosen focus mode. Life's not all about work though. You'll be prompted to take regular breaks to rest your eyes and stretch your muscles. At the end of the day, Focus Bear helps you switch off. Work-related apps get hidden so you can unwind and sleep well. Check out the app by going to focusbear.io. Welcome to episode number 36 of the Focus and Chill podcast. Our guest today is Stephen J. Morris. Stephen is the founder and CEO of Renowned Leadership, which is committed to empowering leaders to become exceptional and achieve their professional goals. With over 21 years of experience, including 16 years of military leadership in the United States Army in leadership roles, he has identified five fundamental pillars of leadership that are the foundation of all products and services. In addition, the company offers a range of solutions, including one-on-one coaching, mentoring programs, and online courses designed to create high-performing and energized teams. Great to have you on the show, Stephen. Man, it is an honor to be here, Jeremy. Thank you so much, brother. Well, I've got a, a ton of questions I'm keen to ask you. To begin with, when I was a guest on your podcast, you were telling me that you've been diagnosed with ADHD yourself. Could you tell us a bit about the journey of being diagnosed and what what it was like beforehand and what it's like now? Yeah, man. So it all started, I want to say, man, I don't even remember really. Uh, probably it was like mid elementary school. So here in the U S that's first grade through fifth grade. So somewhere in like second, third, maybe fourth grade, my teachers started complaining to my mother that I was just, I was too much. Um, I I couldn't sit still, yada, yada, yada. By the time I got into middle school, uh, so, so that's sixth to eighth grade, the school was actively pursuing my mother to try to get her to put me on Ritalin or one of the other um ADHD drugs I hadn't even been diagnosed at this point in fact um to be perfectly honest I didn't officially get diagnosed until I was 24 years old in the army um but uh anyway so that they were pushing my mom and pushing my mom and my mom just refused to put me on any sort of medication and then when I was in the eighth grade um I, I met this teacher she was a biology teacher her name was Mrs. Cunningham And I have no idea where she is today. I have no idea, even if she's still alive, if she is. And here's this, Mrs. Cunningham. Hi, thank you so much for all the work you did for me. 
Um, but she taught me, she recognized my problem and she taught me how to kind of use it as an advantage. And then I took her, her teaching. And of course, this is a slow, long learning process of learning myself, learning new habits. But she slowly um, taught me tips and tricks and ways to use the, this, what most people consider a flaw in my, in my personality or in my physiology or whatever, whatever the case is. People, you know, people see it as a flaw. She taught me how to use it as a superpower. And to this day, it is still very much my superpower. It can be my kryptonite too, but um, 100%, I don't even view it as a disability. I view it as something that gives me, it makes me even stronger. And like I said, I didn't get diagnosed until I was 24. Um, and that had something to do with some stuff that was going on in the army. We were trying to figure out why I was struggling in some areas. The army realized I was, I was ADHD. And so we changed my learning uh, style a little bit and, you know, my career just blew up from there. Hmm, that's really great to hear that they they took it from a, a positive lens because I've heard that at least in Australia in the Defence Force, they have quite a negative view of ADHD and may even actually medically discharge people if they get diagnosed. But it sounds like it's much better in the U.S., not for everybody. It just depends. Um, my leadership was amazing. And, um, you know, so the, the, they saw the potential in me. They realized that this was just a hurdle I had to get over. And then once I showed them, again, I could use it as a superpower, then, you know, it, it was no holds bar at that point. Like we, 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 we set out and we crushed everything. So, yeah, it, it can be detrimental um, in the service here in the US, but not, they don't, I don't think they kick people out for it here. I think you just, you know, you learn to deal with it. That's really great to hear. What are some of the changes that they made? You were saying they tweaked the learning approach. Right, so um, in the military, everything obviously is very structured um, mm -hmm. and it's very, which is good, but um, my attention span, at, at that time in my life, my attention span was crazy, crazy short. And so um, I was just struggling to keep attention because during my training, I, I would start to drift off and daydream. So we worked it into where I could. And this is what my eighth grade biology teacher taught me was to, you know, work on my math homework. And then when I feel my brain starting to pull me away, I switched into my social studies homework and I revolve it around. And eventually, by the end of the night, all my homework is done. And I was able to maintain focus, not on one subject, but all the subjects at the same time. Um, and I know everybody's head just exploded. Multitasking is the devil. I understand. And I agree. Multitasking in most cases is not ideal. However, whenever you're struggling to keep attention on one simple task, well, sometimes multitasking is the better of two evils. And like I said, over time, I learned to use multitasking as almost a superpower. And so that's what the army helped me do. Um, we we kind of just changed things around to where I could focus on multiple things at a time. And then um, the army had me working with other people um, who specialize in that area. And, uh, you know, they, they taught me to, like today. I don't even need to multitask like that little roundabout thing. I don't even need to do that anymore. I, I can focus straight up. And I have other little things like, um, I don't know if you can see it, this ring I wear. 
-hmm. it's a it's called a fidget ring it just spins it has a little bearing in it that allows it the center of it to spin mm -hmm. and so i'll sit here and i'll just be spinning it and that's what helps me keep focus as mm -hmm. long as my hands are moving you, you know how it goes so yeah. um yeah the army totally they help me uh in more ways than i can e even say um that they help me identify the problem and then really help me focus on taking it to the next level and truly making it a superpower hmm. that's wonderful to hear they were so supportive and it's interesting when you're describing it it doesn't necessarily sound like multitasking because it wasn't like you were doing both maths and biology and social studies at the same time that you would do a certain amount of time on one of them and then move into the next one yeah, correct. And, and I call it multitasking because I don't know what else to call it. But yeah, I mean, it's not true multitasking where I'm like doing multiple things at the same time. Um, it, it, but yeah, it's exactly the way you describe it is, you know, I may, you know, I'm not good at math and I absolutely freaking despise math, bro. Like hmm. math is the bane of my existence. And um, so I can only stay focused in math for like 10, 15 minutes. English and social studies, however, I'm really good at English and I love history. Mm. So, you know, those I could stay focused for 30, 40 minutes. Mm. And so it was just a good way of breaking up the monotony of I hate this mm. and I don't want to do this. Mm. And, you know, all those alarm and fire bells going off in your brain, making you try to go do something else. And so it just broke it everything up for me, kind of like the um, what's it called? Oh, shoot. Pomodoro All technique. I can... Yes, this Pomodoro mm. technique. Yes, it's almost it's pretty much that. And I, I never asked Mrs. Cunningham. I wish I could go back and ask her because back then I didn't even know what that was. But mm. I, I wonder now if that's where she got that from. Mm. And yeah. she just kind of changed it to, to suit me. But, mm. and you know, that. And to teachers out there that may be listening, if you have a student that you think um, might be ADHD or whatever, I would encourage you not to just try to push them off and um, to, to, you know, the, the narcotics or whatever, not narcotics, but the drugs or to the counseling or whatever, like engage them. Because I can promise you right now, if it had not been for Mrs. Cunningham, I would not be anywhere close to where I am today. Mm. Yeah, it's really important having those teachers that have got you back in the early days. So let's talk now about with the work that you're doing now, you're helping companies mainly is it to, to improve the quality of their leadership team? Long story short, I was in the army for 16 years when I left the army. Um, I went into the corporate world and I was very upset in how the corporate world worked, not worked, but like man, it didn't feel like I was a part of anything anymore. And I, you got to remember, I was coming from a place where um, people would literally die for me. Like every every meaning of that word, they, they would die for me. And I for them. And I missed that. And I was like, you know, I was talking about it to somebody. And they're like, dude, if you could bottle that esprit de corps, that camaraderie that you had in the teams, like if you could bottle that and sell it, you would be a millionaire. I'm like, you know, I can, I, I can't, I may, you know, I can't bottle it into a physical thing, but I can teach people. So, um, yeah, uh, in 2022, I, or no, yeah, 2022, July, 2022, I started Renowned Leadership and our goal 
is to literally change the face of workplaces everywhere to where you don't hate Monday, you don't hate your job, you love your team, you love the people on your team, and, and your work is is fulfilling, not draining. You know, I, I've never had a job where I, I just absolutely hate my life. I can't imagine how horrible that would be. So yeah, I don't want I don't want anybody to have to feel that. So that's why I started Renowned, and uh, that's our mission, that's our goal, and we're we're pretty successful at it. Awesome, I I love that bringing engagement in a really deep and meaningful way and is it in terms of the way that you interact with organizations is it coaching is it coming in and running workshops what type of programs do you do for people who might be interested it's both um i can do both um but i prefer one-on-one coaching because that's where i believe the most impact can be had um, but, but group workshops, things like that, they, they do have effect, but, uh, I feel like one-on-one coaching is where is the true power. Um, but you know, it, it's funny cause it's all how, how your people learn. It's all how it's all about the environment of your organization as well. There are some, some organizations that I wouldn't even, I wouldn't recommend one-on-one, it would be more of, of a group thing because that that's kind of the dynamic of their company. It's hard to explain, but um, you know, the best way to do, do that is just get in contact with me. We'll, my people will, and I will figure out what you got going on and we'll advise you from there on the best course of action. Hmm. And it sounds really important from uh, the perspective that there's a certain percentage of employees who are going to have, ADHD and other neurodivergences and for them engagement is even more crucial because if you ask me to do something which I don't see as being important I just won't do it and I wonder (laughs) if that's part of what you help organizations to do to help people connect with the actual meaning behind their work. You know I think it's funny that you say that because I've never thought of it as a neurodivergent issue I've, I've always thought of that as a human issue Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's harder for, for people like you and I to go do it just because we have to, mm-hmm. but I, th- I feel like humans in general want to know why, and yeah. yes, absolutely. Communicating your why is, is solely important. Can I, can I share a, a story yeah, uh, about the why? Okay. So, um, I was working with a, uh, a military organization there, the, Second Cavalry Regiment um, out of the First Cav Division. We were operating in uh, Iraq at the time, and the soldiers there. When I would talk to them, they were there. I, I think they were there for thirteen months, and I, I wasn't there that long. But um, when I would talk to these soldiers, they were so depressed and so down, um, and they were dying. Um, the, it was a very violent place for them. They were. They were fighting hard. And but the problem was they didn't understand why they were doing what they were doing, because from the outside looking in, they were seeing no results. All they saw was that their friends were dying. They were in combat every single day for what? Absolutely nothing. They were fighting over a piece of desert and a stretch of highway. But when they left, their commander um, told everybody, like, just so you all know, we decreased the IED attacks, the improvised explosive device attacks on Americans by 80% throughout the entire Iraqi theater. 
what they were doing was actually cutting off the supply. Uh, the, the stretch of highway they were uh, guarding was called Route Tampa. This or Route 1, it stretched all the way from Iran all the way up through to northern Iraq. And that's where a lot of the IED making materials were coming from. And because they were doing the work they were doing, they were they had reduced the IED attacks on the American forces by 80 percent. Had they that's known it. that the entire time, their their esprit de corps, they're like their their motivation would have been through the roof. But they but their command never gave them that. And so they didn't understand the why. So they were just miserable and their morale was low and they were probably just, you know, halfway doing their job. If they had known what the result of their work, they, they probably could have increased that number. You know what I mean? So it is so vitally important to to explain the why and to make sure that that your team is understanding the results, even if they can't directly see the results. Mm, yeah, absolutely. That must be quite common that maybe the leadership feels like it. it's not worth sharing that information, but it, it definitely helps me when I know actually what I'm doing isn't just, say, writing code, but it's actually contributing towards helping the, the end users in a very concrete way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, imagine, Jeremy, if you're writing a code, and, you know, the company just says, Jeremy, write this code. I need it to make a beep over, you know, every time X happens. And you're like, that's stupid. Like, why would anyone want a beep? Blah, blah, blah. But if they're like, hey, Jeremy, I need you to make this beep happen every time this happens, because a doctor is going to use this to measure the oxygen going into the bloodstream of... A, a, you know, a gunshot patient, you're like, oh, holy crap, like this piece of code is saving someone's life. It, to it puts your code in a totally different perspective, right? So mm -hmm. that, yeah, of course, you're going to be more engaged. You're going to be more involved. You're going to do better work. You're going to be more proud of your work. You're going to be more proud of your company, of your team. You're, it's just, it elevates everything in your life when you know the why. Mm, absolutely. One trap I found though that is that if I get so engaged in my work, then I won't have any time for non-work. How do you manage that? Because you, you you've always been a very engaged person. What do you do for hobbies? Do you get any time where you're not working? I would say on average, I work probably anywhere from 110 to 120-ish hours a week. That's a um, it is. Um, but I argue that this is my passion. This is what I love. And fortunately for me, my wife is very uh, introverted. So she does not mind the time alone. Um, as long as she gets the, the quality time that she needs, I'm good to go. I can work as much as I want. Um, when I'm not working, though, I love to fish, man. Fishing is great. Um, I just went deep sea fishing for the first time a few months ago in Delray Beach, Florida. A good friend of mine, uh, his dad owns a commercial fishing boat. And so he took me out and I caught a, a giant, like 60 pound sailfish. It took me like 25 minutes to reel that thing in, man. It was, it was rough. It was a great time, but yeah, I love fishing. It helps me um, relax my brain. It helps me just kind of shut everything off. So uh, fishing is probably my biggest hobby. I, I love to exercise. I love to go to the gym, love to run. 
um, things like that. Exercise is so important. Like I know uh, you're probably going to ask me about my morning routine here later, and I don't want to get it too ahead, but exercise is number one all the time. Um, I cannot miss miss my morning exercise if I do my entire day is shot. So um, yeah, I love to exercise. My uh, Spartan races, I do Spartan races. Um, and I, eventually I want to do the Boston Marathon. So that that's one of my goals. Epic. That's uh, the the mecca for marathon runners to come to Boston. There's quite a few Australians <laughs> who go as well. Yeah. That was actually my next question about your morning routine. So you is exercise the <laughs> very first thing as part of your routine? You wake up and you hit the gym or you go for a run? Um, the very first thing I do, Jeremy, is uh, I do what I call gratitude journaling. I write down three things I'm thankful for in that moment. Um, and it can be detailed as, you know, um, I'm thankful for the roof over my head and all the wonderful things. You know, I, I can go, I go into very vivid detail or it can just be I'm thankful that I woke up. I'm thankful that I have this glass of water and I'm thankful that I'm about to put my shoes on and go for a run. Um, some, some mornings it, it, it just varies on the morning, but that is like, that is almost as important as my exercise because it frames my mind for the day. As long as I start my day with a positive mind, I find that, you know, my days are far better and I'm able to crush a lot more. Um, and then yeah, exercise, um, I find time to meditate for at least 30 minutes. I am a Christian, so I make sure I, I start working some, some prayer time as well. Then, yeah, then from there on, it's breakfast and work. And yeah. And then if I get a chance, I go fishing. <laughs> Wonderful. That, that sounds like an amazing way to start the day. Half an hour of meditation it is a very decent amount. Is yeah, that I something find... that you've always done? No, actually. Um, there's a book I read. What was that book called? Uh, Miracle. Miracle, Miracle morning. Yeah. 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 Uh, I got it from that. And mm. I'm like, you know, I've never actually practiced meditation or anything like that. I always thought it was kind of silly or stupid. I was like, you know, everybody talks about it. I should try it at least. And I've found that it really, really helps clear and focus my mind. And then uh, when I meditate, I, I have what's called a grounding mat. Um, I, I'm not a hippie, but I'm kind of a hippie. Um, I believe in negative energy, right? And so, like, when we wear rubber sole shoes, like, we're not connected to the earth. We're not grounded to the earth, right? And our bodies are just comprised of energy. Well, there's positive energy and there's negative energy. And um, so when we're not grounded to the ground, all that negative energy can't leave our body. So I have this thing called a grounding mat that helps me. It literally plugs into the ground of an outlet. And it helps me uh, ground and get all that negative energy out of my body while I'm meditating and trying to focus and bring in positive energy into my body. And that, that man, like, it helps with inflammation. It helps with um, headaches. It helps with just being sick in general. It helps with a uh, positive mindset. It helps in so, so many ways. I highly recommend uh, meditation with a grounding mat or meditation on the ground mm. itself. I'll have to try that. When you say it plugs into the, the earth, do you mean it goes into a PowerPoint and uses the ground wire from there? Yeah, yeah. It, pl it plugs right into your the outlet of your house. And every mm. outlet has a ground. 
Hmm. And it just connects directly to that ground. No electricity or anything flows through it. It just connects only to the ground hmm. and your energy flows through it. And like uh, when I, whenever I got introduced to it, I was like, this is total crap. Like there is no way this works. And so I got a, a electrical tester and sure enough, like it, it, you can see where it grounds you uh, when you, when you test it with an electrical tester, I'm like, holy crap, it really does ground you. That's cool. And I, like I said, I've noticed, um, you know, swelling in my knees because my knees are bad from all the years in the military. So the, my knees are better. My back is better. Um, I used to get a lot of headaches from multiple concussions. Um, I don't get near as many headaches. Just my positivity in general is, 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 uh, is better. Um, yeah, I highly, highly recommend a grounding mat. Yeah, that's fantastic. I might have to try it. <laughs> Did you build up to doing 30 minutes of meditation or you, after reading yes. the morning, you just, you went straight to that level? I struggled for five in the beginning. I won't lie. Like five minutes of just sitting quietly thinking or not mm. even thinking, but just like, just trying to sit quietly, not thinking mm. was just insane. Like it was so hard. Um, yeah. It took me probably two or three years to build up to 30 minutes, mm. but um eventually i want to get it up to an hour maybe more mm. to where because i truly believe like man you wouldn't believe how many like epiphanies happen like when you're just sitting there meditating like mm. oh my god like this is the solution to all my problems like boom there it is and you know then you go do and you're like oh yeah you know a lot of you know and i think the reason is for at least for me is because i'm so going 100 miles an hour in nine million different directions all day long a lot of times I can't see what's obvious right in front of me. Mm. And I think uh, when I meditate, uh, it just clears all that nonsense. And I'm able to see more clearly what is directly in front of me. And I'm able, and a lot of times that's the, you know, the solution to my problems is literally right here, but I can't see it because I'm looking too far off. Mm. Yep. I have that experience too. I also find the run is almost a form of meditation for me and another time where I get mm -hmm. a lot of ideas. Do you experience that too? Um, no. Um, <laughs> I, I say I love running just because I'm trying to be positive about it. I actually <laughs> don't. Um, I, I love the effect and I love the result, but like the actual doing it, I'm not, I, I'm not keen on. Um, but uh, most of the time when I'm running, I'm just like, I hate this so much. How many miles do I have left? <laughs> hmm. And um, usually I'm like jamming music in my head and thinking about, you know, things that I enjoy rather than the fact that I'm running. So, <laughs> um, but I do like the gym and stuff like that. I do love to work out and lift weights and things like that. So um, I guess that's the balance, but I understand the importance of cardio uh, zombie apocalypse happens. This guy is not get eaten because <laughs> I cannot run the zombies. <laughs> <laughs> That's your motivation. Are you running on a, a treadmill or are you going out in nature to do it? Um, it depends. Um, it gets rather cold here in the wintertime. Mm. Um, yeah. it can get, you know, below zero. Mm. Um, so. And that's uh, zero Fahrenheit. Yeah. Zero Fahrenheit. Maybe so, 20 degrees Celsius for the Australian yeah. listeners. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it gets pretty cold here sometime in the wintertime. But um, if it's decent outside or not too insanely cold, uh, I run outside on trails. 
Um, If it gets really cold or in the summertime, it gets stupid hot and humid. Mm. Um, I can handle the running in the heat, but the humidity when it's hard to breathe, Mm. um, I don't like to run in that. So I'll run indoors on a treadmill. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause I, I find treadmill running really unpleasant. I was wondering if that was part of the reason. Do you find it like in that, maybe it's a few months per year where the conditions are good and you can run on trails do you find that more enjoyable or it's similar? hundred percent. hundred percent. I will run on a trail and especially if it's a different trail where it's almost like it's an adventure. I actually enjoy yeah. doing that. Yeah. Um, when you get to run on a trail for the first time. Um, unfortunately, I live in the city, so there's not a whole lot of options. Mm. Um, but yeah, like when you get to run on a trail for the first time, oh, that's, that's fun. That's a lot yeah. of fun. Mm. Um but uh yeah running on a treadmill is the worst in the world (laughs) Mm. (laughs) yep i agree right now let's go back to work you mentioned that compared to when you were a high school student that you're now able to focus for longer periods is that just part of your brain maturing or are there tactics that you're using in order to help you to focus i think both well I won't say tactics. Um, I still use the 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 watch call it uh oh good grief technique. Um Pomodoro. Yeah, the Pomodoro technique. I'm sorry. I always forget that. Anyway, um, I still use that often. Um, but I think my mind has become more disciplined now because of all my uh, military experience, and I'm able to withstand it a lot better than I used to be able to. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing that's helped me is just the discipline the military has given me. So, yeah, that, that's that's definitely number one. And then, you know, just understanding and being OK with it. Like when I'm working, if I'm, you know, I, I still do a lot of my editing for my podcast and videos and stuff. So if I'm working on that, I absolutely hate it. I don't enjoy it at all. And I don't know why someone does it for a living because. Good God, that sucks. So, I mean, if I, I'm trying to do that and I feel myself being pulled away to get distracted, then it's like, I, I just need to go take a minute, go play with my puppy. And, or, you know, go, you know, I have a lake right behind me. So just go fish for, you know, 10, 15 minutes, come back, get back to work. Um, it's okay. Like that's, I guess that's the biggest thing I want to tell your listeners. It's okay. Like, do not let this world shame you. Like, it's okay. You, you know, you, you lose focus. That, that's that's perfectly fine for you. That's perfectly normal. Like, you know, who, who's to say what normal is it anyway? Like, like that that word just irritates me. Like, just just be okay with yourself and find ways to discipline yourself and find ways to trick yourself. I, don't, I guess trick is kind of the wrong word, but you know what I mean. To to trick yourself and to be able to get things done. And the more work you do in that. Um, the more you'll find the success you want. Mm, absolutely. That your question? Yeah, it does. And I, I think it it is pretty normal for everyone, regardless of whether they have ADHD or not, to to struggle to continue being focused for even 40 hours per week, let alone 110 hours. So right. what you're what you're doing sounds like a really healthy way to approach it. I, I love the idea of taking those breaks to play with your dog or go fishing getting out in nature it's probably mm-hmm. much better yeah. than what many outside, people do man. Yeah, yeah get outside i love being outside like oh man you know sometimes you know back to grandling sometimes i just go stand outside and 
um, walking the grass barefoot. Mm. You know, just, you know, I know that seems kind of weird, but dude, like, there's just something about it. it. It refocuses my mind. And, and you know, I think that's the biggest thing, though, Jeremy. What works for me may not work for you. Mm-hmm. What works for you may not work for me. And mm-hmm. what may works, works for both of us probably doesn't work for a million other people that are ADHD. Mm-hmm. It's about what your brain responds to because you're unique, you're different. And so you're going to respond to different things in different ways than you or I do. Mm-hmm. So you just have to explore and find the best for you. And mm-hmm. if that is, you know, going and playing with a puppy, great. Go play with a puppy. If it is, you know, watch a cat video on YouTube for 10 minutes, watch a cat video on YouTube for 10 minutes. Just have something there to stop you so you don't do it for the next four hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's okay what you love it's okay just you know make sure you have something to help you maintain discipline and that's that's really the thing because i can go sit out and fish for hours and hours and hours dude like that like when i say i go sit, i can go play with my puppy for hours i, I love my puppy but um you know i have an alarm that goes off whenever it's time to get back to work mm-hmm. and i make myself listen to that alarm mm-hmm. um and then I think the biggest thing is be be kind to yourself. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, the 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 newer the Batman movie. Um, stupid long. It's like three hours long. I didn't even know it was that long. But I, I'm a diehard comic book nerd. And I hadn't seen it yet. And it just came out on Amazon. So I'm working away, working away. And I get an email notification. Now on Amazon, the Batman. I'm like, what? And of course, that just totally derailed three hours of my day, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, and but that's okay. Like it didn't it didn't break anything. It didn't you know, I just didn't get you know, I had to work a little bit later to get the things I needed to get done done. Like I didn't beat myself up for it. That is my point. Don't beat yourself up. Give your you know, give yourself some grace. Be kind to yourself. It's okay. You're a superhero. You're you're not. There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, that's really important because I think there can be a lot of self-recrimination. Yeah, I love those tactics. And I mean, like you said, it might not work for everyone. If you're allergic to dogs, don't go play with a dog. But <laughs> right. find, find something. <laughs> I, I think breaks are one of my, also one of my, my key productivity hacks. So we're going to take a break now. Hello there. This is Joey. I'm excited to tell you about a project I run where I help imaginative people just like you breathe life into their creative dreams, like writing that book or performing that stand-up comedy set. I know the first step can be daunting. I've been there many times and have helped many people on a similar journey. If you've wondered how to bring those ideas swimming around in your head to life, get in touch. We'll shrink the intimidating dragon of a goal into a cute little lizard of an achievable daily habit that you can do every day to get started and stay moving. Click on the link in the show description to get in touch. All right, we're back. And now let's talk about a habit that you you found problematic, either one that you have dealt with in the past or one that you are dealing with now that you're, you're trying to fix. That is a long list of things. Um, yeah, same here. I've still got bad habits to deal <laughs> with. I got, dude, I got many. Um, and I think that's, that's funny because like, I, I, I I talk to people all day long and it's like, I'm telling them all these wonderful things that I do and have done and aspire to do. But, and I think, I feel like it makes me appear almost like, 
like I'm better than everybody else. Like I've got it all figured out. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. Like I'm just as broken as anyone else. Like I have my bad habits. I, you know, I just told you I, I wasted three hours on Thursday watching a movie that I didn't need to watch. It was actually not a good movie. I was very upset, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I mean, which makes it even worse. So, um, but I would say the, the biggest thing, um, the biggest thing to get away from is I, I think it would be that whenever I, I truly enjoy something. So, you know, I love to play video games. Um, I love to go fish, things like that. I can get lost and um, man, it, it can be four or five hours and I won't even realize time has passed. And I look at the clock and it's like, oh, um, I think that's probably my biggest hurdle right now is having, finding a way to control that because, you know, playing a video game for me and I know a lot of people hate video games. That's fine. It's not for everybody or fishing or any things like that. Um, for me, it's about being that that's what allows me to step away from reality and shut my brain off because I'm sure you're like me. My brain never stops. And when mm -hmm. I wake up in the morning, I feel like my brain worked the entire night. Right. Like, um, and that's how I've always felt. So it's normal to me, but you know, when I talk to, you know, people that don't have ADHD, they're like, Oh yeah, I have no idea what that feels like. It's like, well, you know, I guess it's unique to us, but yeah. So, I mean, the only time I feel like my brain shuts off is when I'm engrossed into something like a really good book. Mm -hmm. Um, man, I can get engrossed into a good book and read from cover to cover and not even realize how much time has passed. So that's probably my biggest hurdle is finding a way to control that. Um, I still haven't, uh, you know, alarm is my best, my best method. This is how much time I have. And then finding the discipline to, to be able to listen to that alarm. Mm. Yeah. I, I find time, bl time blindness is a problem for me too. And like you have to set alarms because I'm not good at noticing when time has elapsed and when I should move on to something else. Right. It often right. leads to me being late for appointments because I'll be so immersed right. in what I'm doing. 100%. I've had my wife come into my office and be like, are you, are you going to bed? I'm like, what do you mean am I going to bed? It's like 10 in the morning and I look out my window, which is literally right in front of my desk. And it's like pitch black outside. And it's like, oh, crap. Like I didn't even realize. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, what what do you call it? Time blindness. I, I've never actually heard a term put to it before. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm. And that flows on really well to the next question about how do you go to bed? What what's your tactic for winding down? Oh man. So um I'm an avid journaler. I love to journal. I um we've already talked about my morning journal. Um, I, I have a journal for night too, which is called, I call it a defrag journal. Um, like you defrag a computer and you know, if you're not tech savvy, when you defrag a computer, you're basically getting rid of all the junk files that have built up on your computer over time. That's pretty much, you know, in layman's term, what defragging is. Um, so I have a defrag journal that pretty much does the same thing. And I just put the journal in front of me with a pen in my hand and I write whatever is on my brain. And I find that after practicing it for a couple of weeks and long enough, I do it for about five to 10 minutes every night. I, I find that it really helps declutter my brain and just get all that crap out. 
which allows me to get a more restful sleep. Because like I said, even when I, when I do get a good night's sleep, I still feel like I've been running a marathon all night. Like my brain just doesn't shut off. Hmm. So, um, I, I find that having a defrag journal just to get a bunch of that nonsense out of my head uh, onto a piece of paper really, really helps me. So that's, that's probably my biggest thing. Hmm. Um, and then I try to limit my screen time at least 30 minutes before. Um, and then I try to not keep anything around me that, uh, that's going to affect my sleep. So, you know, my computer running things like that. Hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I, I sometimes have sleep difficulties, but doing that type of defrag journal, that makes a massive difference to me because I think the brain is still trying to process things that have happened during mm -hmm. the day. And just putting it on paper or writing it in a an app that really helps to just reassure my brain that it's going to be okay we can deal with it the next day 100 and sometimes you're just trying to it's just trying to understand right and, and you know a lot of times when you get something out of your head onto a piece of paper it makes sense it doesn't make sense while it's floating around in the brain bucket but whenever you get it on a piece of paper and you read it you're like oh crap I'm like oh now i see I understand you know mm. so i mean yeah it's just so helpful so helpful mm, absolutely in terms of resources that you found helpful you mentioned the miracle morning book are there other books or philosophies or apps that you use and you've got the the spinning ring too what would you recommend <laughs> um, for people the the spinning ring is actually funny because when i started podcasting um and started doing youtube videos and all that stuff and just meeting people online doing anything in front of the camera i would sit in my chair and i would do this and it drove my wife nuts and so she's like you gotta stop i'm like i can't help it i don't even realize i'm doing it i just yeah i, I just have to move and she was so she got me this ring so i can just sit here and you can't see my hands it's off camera and i'm just and i've literally done it the entire time just sitting here spinning my ring <laughs> um so um you know find what works for you um as far as books go i love atomic habits by james clear um a great great book um it really helps you understand what's going on and then um uh, uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf, uh, she's a uh, neurologist who kind of coined the term uh, neuroplasticity. Um, her research is phenomenal when it comes to the brain and building habits and understanding how your brain works and yada, yada, yada. Um, she's got a lot of great stuff. Um, so I really enjoy her. Obviously, I, I take breaks. Um water stay hydrated i find if i if i am dehydrated that for some reason affects me in so many adverse ways and my attention span is one of them um so i try to always stay hydrated i know that sounds weird um or it doesn't i don't know our brains what like 90 percent water hmm. so i mean i guess it does make sense a little bit but um hmm. yeah that, that that's my biggest thing awesome then really Good ideas. I hadn't heard of Dr. Caroline Leaf before. I'll have to look her up. And I, I also, during the podcast, I've got this little under-desk uh, elliptical trainer. That's my fidget toy. <laughs> <laughs> Moving my legs. Yep. Yep. Last two questions. Where can people connect with you? 
Uh, yeah, so um, I got a website. It's renowned, R-E-N-O-W-N-E-D, renownedleadership.com. You can uh, go over there. And if you want to like book a call with me and actually talk with me, there's a button in the top right hand corner that says book a call that goes directly to me, not to my team. Um, or you can go to the contact uh, tab on my website and just shoot me a quick email that also goes directly to me, not my team. So um, yeah, that's how you can get in touch with me. Awesome. Do you have any final words or asks for the audience? Yeah, man, just, you know, I, just be kind to yourself. You know, this world has enough hatred uh, that you don't need to hate yourself. Um, just be kind to yourself. You're, you're good the way you are. You just have to, you know, you may need to learn some discipline. You need, you know, like Jeremy and I've had to do, we've had to learn tips and tricks and hacks and all these other things to find a true way to, to harness our superpower. But, you know, you're a superhero just the way you are. You just have to learn how to use your power. Uh, if you think of every superhero, you know, Star Wars, you know, Luke Skywalker had to learn how to use the force and it was painful and it was hard. Um, you know, you, you watch the Superman TV series, you know, he had to learn how to harness his powers and it was painful and it was hard. So, you know, you're a superhero just like them. You just have to learn to harness your power. Yeah. And it's going to be painful. It's going to be hard. But once you do, you're going to be unstoppable and whatever you dream of happening is going to freaking happen because you're, you're just, you're going to be unstoppable. Yeah. Love it. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Absolutely, brother. It was an honor and a pleasure, man. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Focus and Chill podcast. To listen to other episodes, jump onto podcast.focusbear.io. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who'd be a good fit, email us at team at focusbear.io. Otherwise, stay focused, stay chilled, and peace out. <laughs>